Lord. Got a few prayer requests we want to remember tonight. We always start out with our prayer requests, so let's remember these. Let's remember Chris Mock. He is having back surgery uh, on Monday, July the 17th at Christiana. That's from Regina Mock, so let's be praying for Chris. Let's remember Jeff Quinn. Uh, we've been praying for him. He was in a severe accident and has been paralyzed from the waist down. We've been praying for him since then, but he is having a hard time adjusting and he needs lots of our prayers. So let's be in much prayer for Jeff Quinn. Let's remember Wilma Gentry, continued prayers for my sister as she battles stage four pancreatic cancer. Prayers for uh, their health as well. That's from Martha Blevins. Let's remember uh, Steve Wenner, 41-year-old, uh, Stacy, sorry, Stacy Wenner, 41-year-old with cancer and told that she has six months to live. That's from Parks Williams. And then let's be praying for Missy Kennedy's father. He is very ill in West Virginia. We've been praying for him and lifting him up, and let's keep doing that. We're going to open up this evening with a word of prayer uh, and just ask the Lord to meet with us and bless us. I'm going to ask Robbie if he would. Robbie was preaching away at Ackland Missionary Baptist this morning. Thankful that uh, our young men can fill in those roles. You stand up and open us up in a word of prayer this evening, Robbie. Everybody stand.
Make sure that you get a bulletin. Make sure that you look at all of the announcements that are in there. We want to remember this week is a special week. It's camp meeting. We are so excited about the whole week. Looking forward to Brother Kenny Baldwin, who's going to open it up for us on Monday and Tuesday night. And then Brother Mike Holcomb will be preaching on Wednesday and Thursday. Friday, we have a a special uh, singing with the Lore family. We're excited about every part. Brad Davis preaching in the morning. It's always a wonderful, wonderful week. So don't forget that. Make sure that you know where it is, all of that kind of stuff. Dinner for everybody at 5.30. So come and eat and uh, just enjoy some great time. We're blessed with all that's going to be going on out there. Then, like, please, like I said, please get a... Uh, bulletin and make sure you've got these things. There's lots going on in the summer and we're very, very excited about that. And one of those things is happening tonight and that is that Brother Ian Martin is preaching for us tonight. And you might say, well, who is Ian Martin? Okay, you might be wondering that. Well, Cammy, we all know and love Cammy, don't we? Cammy Beamer, she made a move to North Carolina. You remember that, right? And she done found a guy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And his name's Ian. uh, And I'll tell you, though, he's visited with us some, and he's working in the church there with uh, Kogan East. uh, And uh, Kogan just said the worst things about him. No, just teasing. There you go. Ian, uh, he said great things about him. And uh, I'm excited for him to preach for us. I'm excited for the young men that God's calling in the ministry. Young men like Kogan as well. Uh, and, uh, and we're thankful for that. And at Kogan's Church, there's several young men there uh, who are just right there spending some time, and Kogan is working with them uh, just as they grow in the Lord and in their preaching. And Ian is one of those young men. So we're excited to have him preaching for us tonight uh, and just uh, letting us... Uh, well, it's an interview, Ian. That's what it is. There's nothing, no other way to put it. So if you blow it tonight, it's over, all right? But let's just get all the, you know, the formalities out of the way, you know? That's all that there is to it. But anyway, we're excited to have him preaching with us tonight. We hope that we have applied the amped amount of pressure on you and that you'll feel the weight of it tonight. All right. So there you go. I'm not making it any easier. All right. By intention. Amen. But also, today it is absolutely wonderful. We had lunch with Brother David Hickson, him and his wife Susan. They are missionaries to Southeast Asia, specifically in Thailand, but working in lots and lots of those different areas. And uh, it's just wonderful to just keep meeting different missionaries, having lunch with them today, seeing their heart for the area and how they believe the Lord could use them was absolutely wonderful. And so he's going to come around and take just a few moments tonight to share a little bit about his burden, what the Lord has put on their heart to do. Uh, and we just want him to come around and share for a moment. Come around, Brother Hicks.
All right, it sure has been good to be here today, and I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. And we are David and Susan Hickson, and we are missionaries to Southeast Asia, but we'll be based there in uh, in Thailand. And we're actually from Beach Island, South Carolina, and uh, we it borders Augusta, Georgia, right there off I-20. And uh, pastored the Amazing Grace Baptist Church there for 28 years, and started that ministry in 1994. And, uh, of course, started going on mission trips. I was telling you all about that this morning, probably 20 years ago or so. And every few years I would go somewhere in the world, and God just really started dealing with me about going full-time missions. And, you know, our church made it through COVID and was back and was thriving again, and things was going great. And But I just couldn't, couldn't shake it and uh, couldn't sleep at night. And finally, uh, about a year and a half ago at our revival, uh, my wife and I, we surrendered. We told the people. People. We, they had no idea, you know, what we were, uh, what we were going to do. Because I mean, who could you tell? I mean, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get up and at the at the church on Wednesday night when we did prayer requests. Say, oh, by the way, would y'all pray for me? We're thinking about going to be missionaries. No, you got to know it. You got to know, and it's not just something you do. You know, it's not just a. Uh, uh, you know, you have to know that it's that it's God's will, and so we surrendered. We took put our house on the market. It sold the next day, and um, you know, we uh, we took we have two we have two grown boys. We have five grandchildren, and but we're we are uh, we've been on deputation about 15 months, and we are at about almost 60 percent now. And so God has really, really been uh, been blessing, been good to us, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's our first time, actually, I think, on deputation in Pennsylvania, even though I was actually born in Pennsylvania, up in Dubois, and we're headed up that way to be in a church, actually, for uh, next Sunday, but we'll be around all week for the camp meeting, and certainly uh, looking forward to that. But Thailand is a, is a country of uh, uh, 70 million people. It's 95% Buddhist, and I know I told a lot about that today, this morning, the Buddhist and the Muslim, but let me just say this. When a, when a Buddhist gets saved, um, you know it. Everybody around them knows it. Um, their family knows it. Uh, a friend of mine who's been over there in that part of the world for over 10 years now uh, Brother Tim Parrish, he actually planted two churches right over the border in Myanmar there several years ago. And the, the guys that pastored these churches, their names, they were Buddhists but, uh, until they got saved, but their names are Moses and Aaron. Now, of course, you know they weren't born with those names. Those are not Thai names. Those are not, uh, uh, you know, not Myanmar or, or, or Burmese names. Um, but when a Buddhist gets saved, a lot of them want to take on a Bible name. They're not ashamed of it. They want everybody to know. They want their Buddhist friends, their Muslim friends, that, hey, I'm a Christian now. Well, we need more of that in America, don't we? And uh, people that are, that are not ashamed of the gospel. For uh, the last several years, I, I took and I actually taught at a Bible college there in our, in, not too far from us at Victory Baptist College that I actually graduated from in 1987, a long time ago. And the last course, where I don't teach there now because of being on the road, but that last semester I actually taught a missions class. And it already been, God had already been dealing with me about going full-time missions. And I can still remember going in there and teaching that class every week 
And I would, I would teach, you know, and I would tell those young preacher boys, I'd say, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if God called even just one of y'all out of here to be a, a full-time missionary? And I was no, knowing that I was the one that God was working on the whole time. And, but I didn't know a whole lot about missions. I, I, you know, I had to study. I dug it, read everything I could find. And, and I didn't realize I was teaching myself, uh, um, actually. And, but, but, you know, God has just been, been so good to us and just continues and continues to bless. But we will actually live right there on the northern border. I told you about Brother Warchai, the national that we work with, that, that he actually pastors two churches. And, but one of the, the churches that they just moved to when we were there last summer for about three weeks, right on the northern border of Myanmar, there was three little houses, and that's where Brother Warchai lived in one of those, and we were actually going to live in one of those that was, that was empty. We stayed in it when we were there. Just a small little, I mean, just a little bedroom, a little kitchen, and, and a little bathroom, and, of course, that's all we need. But the, the person owned the property sold it, and they had to get out by just a couple of months ago. And he, he called me. He said, listen, he said, uh, I've got to find another place, and so he did, and he found a place down there, which is actually a lot better because there they were having church outside under a big lean-to, and but now they've uh, he found a place. He said, "Listen," he said, "this thing's seven hundred fifty dollars a month." He said, "But it, you know we have church inside. It has two stories. The living quarters is upstairs, and he has half of it, so we'll have the other half." So I said, go ahead and get it. We'll go ahead and start paying our, our part of the rent, which is $150 a month is what we pay. We started that a month or two ago, which, I mean, you couldn't live anywhere here in America hardly for $150 a month. And so, you know, we, we already have the a place secured there where we'll actually live. And, but, you know, why, and I'll just say this and I'll sit down. You know, people ask me, why are you going to literally the other side of the world? And if you look at a globe, that's, that's what it is. But when you, when you see these people that live within that 1040 window that have never actually, even many of them, ever seen a Bible, boy, I'll tell you, it just, it really, really does something to you. Last summer, I, I had a friend of mine call me. He works with Bearing Precious Seed. I don't know if y'all know Brother Dale Money. And I've known him many, many years. He's from our area. And Brother Dale Money, several years ago, he, they started there at Bearing Precious Seed what they call First Bible International, where they try to get the Bible into languages that have no Bible at all. And when I was there, he called me and he said, can you come up? We're having a First Bible conference, and I worked it out where I could and got to talk to some of them in the classes. And, and boy, what a blessing they were. But Brother, Brother, Brother Money gave me something when I was there. I don't know if you all have ever seen the tribal Bible before. And he gave me one. I said, what in the world is that? And he said, well, it's something that we, that we put together just symbolic to, to give to those that have no Bible at all in their language. You realize that you know, there, there, there's over, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, that part, that part of the, that 1040 window is 65% of the world's population. And only about 8% of all missionaries go there. To where 65% of the world's population is. It, uh, less than 2% of all money given to missions goes to that 1040 window where 65% of the world's population is. Boy, what a, what, what, what a need. But this, this, uh, this little book has, 
It has little names and people groups on the front and on the back. You can't see them from where they are, but they're, they're people groups. There are over 3,000 of those that people groups that have no Bible in their language. And so they put this together, and they said, this is just something that we can have. And this is what's in the tribal Bible for those Bibleless people. You know, there's, how would you like to have a Bible like that? But that's all they have. It's nothing. Nothing at all. Much of the world's population, when how many of us have several Bibles? And until you look somebody in the eye and you hand them a Bible and they've never even seen one before, boy, that just does something to you that you just, you just cannot explain. And it makes you want to, it makes you want to do something about it. I mean, that's what it does. It, it does something to you. It makes you want to do something about it. When I, when I took it, when I cleaned out my office there for the new pastor to come in, and I had a big old trash can, and I just started throwing stuff in it, and I boxed up all my books and, you know, and all that stuff I was putting together. And before I knew it, I had a little stack of Bibles sitting there on the floor. I had a Bible I preach out of and a study Bible and a little New Testament I'd go soul winning with and, had one of them little thin, slimline Bibles I'd do weddings and funerals with. And, and I just sat there and wept as I thought about how there are millions around the world that would give their right arm to just have one of those. Well, we're blessed people tonight, are we not? I believe we're running out of time, folks, and we got to be about the Father's business. Thank you so much, Brother Hickson. That was wonderful and impressive and let's be praying for him and asking the Lord what we can do uh, to help them what a what an amazing ministry we're going to have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings and uh, all right Jason would you ask a blessing on this offering Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and for this place that you've given to us, Lord. We pray that, uh, that you would be here among us this evening, Lord. Help us to focus on you and on your word, Lord. And we pray that you would take this offering and that you would use it uh, for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's 283. 283, everybody stand.
right choir coming up in this last verse. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe. In each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Amen. There's this song. There's this, uh, it's an old, I, I, I guess it's a hymn. I don't really know. <laughs> I feel like it is. There's so many songs that I know of as hymns that aren't in this hymnal. And I think to myself, how in the world do I know them? But I heard this song come on a couple weeks ago. And it's just been a, the chorus has just been going through my mind and in my heart especially after the brother's testimony. Um, I, it reminded me of a story that I heard of. Uh, I, can't, I don't even remember what country this testimony was from, but talking about how um, they, just, they couldn't earn a Bible. And the only way that he could read his Bible is if he buried that Bible 50 feet from the back of his house, buried it in the back of his yard, and then late, late at night, early, early in the morning, however you want to put it, he went out there and dug it up to read it and then had to bury it again so nobody could find it. Man, it, and it makes me feel guilty for how I take the Bible for granted, how I take this opportunity to be in his house for granted. Um, he's done so much for us. Sometimes I think he's done too much for us. And we just get complacent in where we're at, but we've gathered here tonight to worship him, and I'm just thankful for all that he's done. And this, this chorus, however you want to put it, it says, Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. And then it says, And now... Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but we're going to sing it a little bit. And uh, if anybody else doesn't enjoy it, I think I'm going to. Um, so this song goes like this. Give thanks a grateful heart give thanks to the Holy One give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son sing it again give thanks with a grateful heart give thanks
in the mess of this whole world sometimes i just need a word from heaven that everything's okay i try to walk my faith but sometimes i'm so afraid and i cannot see how god can make a way but then i think he's never failed me he's never trouble that you feel and those burdens they are real and I know you feel that God has forsaken you but child don't lose your faith because he's working while you wait so just hold on and he will bring you through he's never failed me they're getting things ready back there. I wasn't going to say something, but here we go. Uh, it was on vacation for a couple weeks in Minnesota to visit my, uh, my in-laws, and uh, something happened there. It doesn't 
the details don't matter, but um, it's, it's really evident that the grace of God intervened in a certain situation multiple times. And uh, this song talks about the evidence that you see all around you. You know, so, sometimes we get in services here and, and we see people saved and that's an evidence that God is working, yes. But a lot of times it's those things that we, we take for granted too. The evidence of, of God's promises that, that he's never gonna fail us, like, like Robbie just sang. And, um, and I'm thankful for God's promises. I'm thankful that if, listen, if you want a reason to stop serving the Lord, you'll always be able to find it. If you want a reason to keep on serving him, you'll always find a reason. And um, I'm thankful for the evidence that I see that God has never left me nor forsaken me. All throughout my history Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring In every season from where I'm standing I see the evidence of your goodness All over my life All over my life I see your promises and fulfillment All over my life All over my life Help me remember when I'm weak the fear may come but fear will leave you lead my heart to victory you are my strength and you always will be I see the evidence of your
that song only probably about a, when we did it at choir practice a couple hours ago and it's already made an impression on me. I know how songs are and I know sometimes you have to sing them a few times especially for a congregation to really grasp it but come on man Derek teed it off for you and it's like I could look out over the crowd and I can see some people that were thinking of the evidence of the Lord in their life, but I'm also looking at some people and I'm, uh, you're sleeping or I don't know what's going on. And I, I get it. Man, I got up this morning and just, I needed the Lord this morning. Yeah. I needed the Lord because my heart wasn't in the right place. My head wasn't in the right place. Not only just to go into his presence and worship, but my head was not even remotely in the right place to preach his word this morning. And I get up and I'm sitting there studying and trying to get my last bit of just what the Lord had for me and I was all over the place in my Bible. But man, my little girl who's seven years old just feels the need. She knows it's quiet time when she first gets up in the morning. She's always one of the first ones to get up. And she just goes over to the piano and she starts playing and singing as the deer panted the water. And she starts singing to the Lord. Starting off a Sunday morning can't get any better than that, y'all. And if my heart wasn't in the right place and my head wasn't in the right place, the Lord just gave me that little nudge and that little tap on the shoulder to remind me. And then we get into choir practice and they bring this new song called evidence and I'm supposed to be able to stay contained when the choir is hitting so beautifully that evidence is all over my life about what the Lord man if if you don't want to worship and you don't want to praise him like Mike was saying I was at Ackland this morning and it got me thinking when I'm looking out over the crowd and I see some people are just getting it and some people just came in to punch the time clock to leave after I was done at Ackland this morning I was talking to an individual and he said you'll have to forgive Ackland we're not a big hoop and holler amen kind of church and I said that's all right brother I I preach to Lauren all the time I never get any amen so I get it all the time it, I'm used to that but it got me thinking he's sitting there saying he's like yeah a lot of people a lot of places up here in Pennsylvania are like that and I know that firsthand because as you go further north, man, there are some places that, let me just put it this way, they are flat out not like Nottingham. Being born and raised in this church, like Daryl said from the very beginning, not only do we take his word and take God for granted, we also sometimes take the church that we've grown up in for granted. The fact that there is a thriving youth group and a thriving choir and the Holy Spirit intervenes and meets with us, but it's not the Holy Spirit that's necessarily meeting with us because he meets with us all the time. It's whether we are accepting and whether we are allowing him to move. So I get it, but I said to this individual this morning, I said, I get that. Some people just are not very excited people, but they're that way in everything they do in life. 
everything. They don't get riled up at all. But I said, where I have a little bit of a disagreement with is when I see some folk that are watching the Eagles game and they can get up and they can hoop and holler and they can stand on that couch and they can throw things to the television or they can get all excited over every sport event or watching their kids play sports. But when they come into the house of God and we start singing about the evidence and they can look around and they can see their kids or they can remember the day the Lord touched them and came to where they are and felt, and, and felt the need to come to where we are in our lowest point and we can't get excited about that, then I have something to say and I'll take a little bit of liberty to say this. There's something wrong with our personal walk if we can't get excited about what the Lord has done for us. So now we're just going to go beyond the evidence of life and now they want me to scramble together and sing this song called Gratitude. Man, let me just say this. I learned as I'm studying scripture that gratitude is very different from being thankful. And what I mean by that is it is very easy, even someone that is lost, to when you're on the mountain and everything is going good, you can be thankful. Anybody can be thankful. But I'm so glad that glad gratitude is a trait that I've only received from the Holy Spirit of God. Gratitude, being able to, yes, be thankful when I'm on the mountain, but it becomes gratitude when I'm thankful in the valley. And I have been on top, and I have been at my lowest. And I've had a hard fight to keep that thankful heart. But ever since the Holy Spirit moved in, and he's taken over my life, and I made him Lord and Savior of my life, and I've had that transformation power that all of us have felt, hopefully by the grace of God, that gratitude is going to be there. And we can look around, and no matter what we're going through, and no matter what struggle we are in, and no matter what trial we are facing tonight, I hope that we can have gratitude and a thankful heart to the Lord. I hope it's a blessing. All my words, they fall short I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do Every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah. Except for a horse singing high. 
one response I've got just one move With my arms stretched wide I will worship you So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a of your song cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the Lord come on my soul don't you get shy on me lift up your song cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the Lord preaching uh, down in uh, Elkton, Maryland, had the opportunity to preach, and I went to Acts where they got done with the first missionary journey, and the Bible says that they came back and rehearsed all that the Lord had done. And man, I, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that I kind of put myself in the position of the scripture, and I think about it from both sides, but I thought what it must have been like to sit down 
and tell everybody what had happened on the first missionary journey. How God had done amazing things. People had been healed. God's presence was then with them in amazing ways, right? And they're just re re rehearsing it all and saying thank you. Thank you, God, for everything that you've done. In the book of Romans, chapter number three, chapter number one, excuse me, it starts to talk about the deterioration of man. And as it goes through there, it says, neither were they thankful. Neither were they thankful. All throughout the scriptures, as I prepared for that message, I was amazed at all the times that the Lord said, you need to stop and thank me for what I've done. You need to quit focusing on all the negative that's around you. And say, the Lord is good. His mercy endures to all generations. You need to praise Him for the mighty hand of deliverance. Over and over, He told the children of Israel, you need to sing. You need to build memorials. You mean to remember how I brought you out of Egypt. It's good to remember that we've been saved out of bondage and slavery. When I was done the whole message, it got pretty simple. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. See, Satan wants you to focus on the negative. He does. This is so bad and this is so that. But I want to remind you today that God is so good. I want to remind you that He is so great. I want to remind you that He loves you so much. That He sent His only Son to die in our place. The love of the Father displayed in the love of the Son is worthy to be praised for all of eternity. The ministry of the Holy Spirit that meets with us week after week is worthy to be praised and say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness on me. Boy, he's been good to us. God is giving us an opportunity where the Holy Spirit is encouraging you tonight to praise him and say thank you. I don't know how you need to do it, but I don't want to let it go by. Maybe you need to pray with somebody. Maybe you need to go to someone and thank them for the role they played in your life as a Christian. Boy, isn't it good to have those that you looked up to along the way that helped you when you needed it. Isn't it good to have those that prayed for you when you were far away, not doing what you should. Boy, God has been good to us. Let's praise Him and thank Him in His sanctuary this evening.
opportunity to say thank you, to just praise him for what he's doing. Yeah. We're just going to let the Lord move. Maybe I'm wrong. Somebody got testimony tonight? All right. I guess I was dead wrong. Oh, Brother Ernie.
Everybody else got a testimony. You don't have to be shy. That's all right. All right. Derek, play softly for us. Choir, you can go down. know I made some jokes and uh, and that's all well and good but now it's time for Ian to open up the Word of God and uh, I know he doesn't take it lightly and so I want him to know that if he when he opens up the Word of God we're praying for him we're loving on him and uh, and I'm excited for what God is doing with these young men I've already said that so uh, all joking aside thank you Ian for being with us uh, open up the Word of God and share what God's put on your heart, brother. Amen. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here today. Um, there was a, a very common theme that I noticed. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel today, tonight, um, if you guys want to be making your way there. But this morning, I noticed one common theme throughout the entire service, and it was the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus through all the songs, even through the Sunday school lesson by Mike in the youth class. I noticed the blood of Jesus time and time again. And tonight there has also been a common theme. And, and I kept seeing it and seeing it and seeing it in the songs and the testimonials, everything. And, and I'm sitting there jotting down everything that's happening. And Cammie's looking at me thinking I'm crazy for sitting there writing these things down. And... Uh, Tonight, all of these songs have been sang for, for a reason, and it all lines up perfectly with what we're going to be looking at tonight. We're also going to be in Psalm 34, if you'd like to make a bookmark there. Psalm 34 and 1 Samuel chapter 21. Psalm chapter number 34 and 1 Samuel chapter number 21. That theme that I was talking about that I have seen tonight is gratitude, giving God the praise and the honor that he is worthy of for everything he's done. And I wrote down a couple of examples that I've seen just tonight in, in, in this service from, from the music. For all he's done, he's never failed me. I see the evidence of his mercy. Uh, somebody testified up here about uh, we need to be giving the praise to God. And, and it just lines up tonight perfectly. I have no doubt that this is exactly what God would have me to say tonight. So we're going to begin in verse number 10 of 1 Samuel chapter number 21. The title of tonight's message is Praise from a Cave. Praise from a Cave. It says in verse number 10, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and went to Achish the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David king, the king of the land? Did not they sing one to another of him in dances, saying, 
Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them, and fiend himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down his beard. Then Achish said unto his servants, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen, that ye have brought this fellow to, the, to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David therefore departed thence, and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. David in 1 Samuel chapter number 21 here is fleeing from Saul because Saul has been seeking to murder him. And the reason that Saul has been seeking to murder David here is because the people have began to sing of David killing tens of thousands of people while Saul only thousands. So, so Saul is becoming envious. He's becoming jealous of David here. And he doesn't want David to take over his position. So Saul has been attempting to kill David time and time again. And David's fear he makes a very, very poor decision as we see here in 1 Samuel and he runs to his very, very enemy. He runs to the land of Gath to King Achish. Uh, the land of Gath is the same land that Goliath reigned from. Goliath, the man that David beheaded. So David is returning to his very own enemies to seek help because of Saul's multiple attempts to murder him. And when David arrived at Gath, he went to the king of Gath, King Achish. Before David could even utter a word, the men of the king Achish began to question, Is this not David? Is this not the man that slayed Goliath? Is this not the man that is getting saying he has killed tens of thousands? The one who is known for slaying tens of thousands of men compared to Saul's thousands. And immediately David became sore afraid of King Achish, the king of Gath. Verse 13 of 1 Samuel 21 tells us how David then displayed himself in order to escape the wrath of King Achish. And he changed his behavior before them and fiend himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. David here pretended to be a madman in front of everybody. He pretended to be crazy. Uh, the reason it says here in, his, in their hands, David was in their hands, is because David here has essentially sold himself to Achish just by seeking help, by returning to his enemies. And he is, he is having to go to extreme levels here to escape it. He's having to act like a crazy man just to escape the hands of the king. And, and my main points don't come from 1 Samuel. They come from Psalm 34 here. But this is the storyline of where David is while he's writing Psalm 34. Dave, and I do have one application here. David found himself in a trap that he had essentially set for himself. How often do we as Christians find ourselves setting traps for ourselves? Before Satan even has to raise a finger, how often do we set traps for ourselves? The most common way that we as Christians, and I've been found guilty of this as well, the most common way that we as Christians set traps for ourselves is by not fully submitting to God. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Many of us Christians are being found in today's time not fully submitting to God. Why would the, it says there, 
if we submit ourselves fully to God and we resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. But we must first do those first two things. Submitting ourselves to God is more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning and sitting in a pew. It's more than sitting in a pew and getting in the choir. It's more than being an usher. It's more than being a deacon. Submitting yourself fully to God is, means to live by this word by every law as close as you possibly can. And I'm not being legalistic here, but it should be our goal to live as close to this word as we possibly can. Submitting ourselves fully to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from us. If we are not found submitting ourselves to God and resisting the devil, then why would he flee from us? We are essentially setting that trap for ourselves by not fully submitting to God. And David here has set a trap for himself by returning to the enemy when, when he obviously should not have done that. David here was scratching on the door like a dog. David allowed spit to fall down his beard as if he had no control over his own mouth. And, and finally, King Achish replies to his servants saying that he has no need for a madman in his house. And when David heard this, he knew that he could finally escape from King Achish and his men. David surely felt relieved when he heard that from King Achish, that he had no need for him. So David does just that. He flees from Gath and he finds himself in a cave, the cave of Adullam. And, and, and his brethren and the people of his father's house are found following him. That's what that last verse tells us uh, in chapter 22, verse 1. And now David produces what we will read next, Psalm chapter 34, the first 10 verses of what we'll look at. A Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and departed. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. The first thing we'll be noticing tonight in the first three verses of Psalm 34 is David's infectious praise. David's infectious praise. We'll read those first three verses one more time. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David has found himself here at an extreme moment of gratitude, being so close to being taken by his enemies. Had these men of Gath noticed that this was truly David, that the man that had slain Goliath, the man that had killed these tens of thousands, they likely would have killed him. They would have taken every advantage they could to get rid of this man. Yet through the protection of God, David finds himself safe and in a cave surrounded by his brethren and people of his father's house. The first thing we find David doing after being saved from Gath is giving the due praise unto God. Notice with me in verse 1, David openly expresses that his praise will no longer be temporary. David says that he will bless the Lord at all times. 
and that the praise of God shall be in his mouth continually. David has come to the realization that many of us Christians have not yet come to. David has realized that no matter the length of praise that he renders under God, it will never, ever come close to paying off the eternal debt that each and every Christian owes to God for sending his son to die on an old rugged cross for our sins. So many, Christians of, so many of us Christians have gone through some extremely trying times. And through those trying times, many of us have found our prayers being answered. And, and maybe in that moment of our prayer being answered, we have given God that praise. Maybe you were in that car accident and you got out of it safely like that gentleman testified. And maybe you gave God the praise in that season, but ever since then your praise has slowly fell down. David is saying here, his praise will be in his mouth continually, all of the time. David isn't going to stop after giving him a little bit of praise for one thing. He's going to continually praise the Lord. And there are a lot of different situations that can be applied. There are many things that God could have saved you out of. Uh, I have a couple of examples written down here. Maybe you're a married couple and, and you've been praying for the ability to conceive. Maybe you have been trying for a child and God has finally blessed you with that child and you gave God the praise in that season but now your praise has slowly faded away. Why is that? We should be praising continually. Maybe you're that married couple and you haven't yet gotten that child. And, and, and you've, but you've found peace in knowing that God, if it's God's will, that he's going to bless you with it. And maybe you gave God the praise privately, publicly, I don't know, in that season of time. But maybe your praise has slowly fell, fell off, fallen off. We should be continually praising. Maybe you were in a car accident like that gentleman where it should have ended in fatality. Maybe you were in a car accident where you should have died. You should have taken your last breath at that car crash scene. And when you got home from the hospital or you, or you started to heal from that car accident, you, you gave God the praise in that season. You gave God the praise for that moment. You got in church that next Sunday and you gave God some praise. But where is your praise now? Is your praise still flowing out of your mouth? Are you still testifying like these few people did? There are a lot more than five people in here today. Everybody should have been jumping up to give God some praise when Mike was up here asking for testimonials. Now, I understand being moved by God. I understand all of that. But we should be bursting at the seams to brag on the Lord Jesus for saving us out of our troubles, for saving us from whatever it may be. And maybe you don't have a dramatic story like a car accident or, or whatever it may be. But, but regardless, we should be praising the Lord. We're all in a, a beautiful sanctuary tonight sitting on padded pews. We should be praising the Lord regardless. And, and the, last, the, the last application I'll use for that is this. Every single one of us have way, way more than we deserve. We all deserve nothing more than to be burning in the deepest, darkest pit of hell for all of eternity. But God saw fit to send his son as a living sacrifice to live 33 spotless, perfect years to give his life willingly on a cross for us. And yet we sit back in a service and do nothing. We just sit there like a mannequin. We don't raise our hands. We don't praise with our mouth like David is found here doing in the cave of Adullam. We should be bursting at the seams to praise the Lord. And we all have our own situations. We all have our own troubles. Some may be more extreme than others, but let us not be found lacking in the department of praise. May our praise be found continually flowing from our mouths, blessing the Lord at all times, just as David is found doing. David says in verse 2, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. David boasted in the Lord. David here did not try to credit himself 
as many of us Christians try to do once again. Many of us see the many blessings that we have, that nice car, that nice house, and we try to credit ourselves for getting up in the morning and, and going to work and making the money to be able to afford that, when in reality, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have the breath in your lungs to even do that. And we should be praising God because of that. Don't try to credit yourself for the blessings of God. David says, I will make my boast in the Lord. He doesn't say, David, I will make my boast in David. He says, I will make my boast in the Lord, not in himself, in the Lord. And that's how we should all be found. Stop being prideful and boasting in yourself, but be like David and be found boasting in the Lord. David's boast, it was a humble boast. David here did not win his freedom by winning a war like most people in Bible times. He didn't go and slay a bunch of people in this scenario to win his freedom. No, David had to act humble. He had to humble himself and act like a madman in order to get himself out of this situation. Let me put it this way. Maybe some of you have already caught on. David had to humiliate himself to be saved by God. And I wonder, is there maybe that lost person in here tonight that has felt God tugging on them heartstrings, get, getting you under good conviction, and, and you won't humiliate yourself to be saved by God? That's essentially what David is doing here. Surely it wasn't the eternal salvation that I'm speaking of, but David had to humiliate himself to be saved by God to be taken out of this situation. David had to humiliate himself. Maybe there's that lost person in here today. I don't know who it would be. There's a lot of people in here, so I'm sure there's at least one. But humble yourself. Come to an altar. Go to somebody after church. It'll be worth it, I promise you. But this was a humble boast. David didn't try to credit himself, and he did it through humility, not through pride. In the world's eyes, David had nothing to be boasting of. David, he wasn't living in a house. He wasn't living in a mansion. David was in a cave. David was in a cave, and he was surrounded by people that were stressed out. He was, he was surrounded by people that were in debt, which, by the way, is basically the same thing, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole tonight. Uh, and, and verse number 2 of chapter number 22, it says, And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. 400 men with him here in the cave of Adullam, in distress and in debt. The point is that David did not have anything to brag for in the sight of the world, but he had everything to boast for in the sight of himself and in the sight of the Lord. He knew that God had saved him and that he would be free if it were not for the hand of God in this situation. He would not be free if it were not for the hand of God in this situation. David shows us through this that it doesn't matter what your situation is, whether you're homeless, whether you live in a mansion or, or you live in a fine house, whatever it may be, you should be found boasting in the Lord. Notice how David refers to the people of God as humble in verse 2. He says, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. It's almost as if David is saying that being arrogant and being prideful is, is a way of denying yourself of being a Christian. And, and I would have a hard time arguing that, to be completely honest. God's people should be found humble. 
Sure, they should be found boasting in Christ, but they should do it through a sense of humility. They should always be humble. Christ was surely humble. He washed the feet of Judas. Christ was humble. Why are we not being humble? We are Christians. That means little Christ. We are supposed to be like Christ. Why are we not being found humble as Christ was? Verse 3 of Psalm 34 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. David is now calling his brethren to magnify the Lord with him. That word magnify does not mean to make something literally bigger. To magnify the speaker would not mean to make it bigger in reality, but to make it bigger in my perspective. And, and that is exactly what David is doing. It is impossible to make God bigger. Because if you could make God bigger, then that would mean that God is not all-powerful, all-knowing. He wouldn't be everything. And, and we know that he is. There are two applications to be made throughout verse number three. The first one is that we should be calling on our brethren to praise as David is. David found himself rescued, and he has given God praise. And then he realizes that he's the only one doing it. And, and, and David then encourages the distressed people around him to praise God with him. And what a joyful noise that must have been. 400 distressed people in a cave with David praising the Lord and magnifying him. In the cave of Adullam you will find on this night a cave of broken and distressed people praising God regardless of their situation. Some may have been worse, some may have been better, but they were all praising together. Is that not what we should have right now? Should we not all be praising the Lord together, lifting his name in song, praising God and in one accord? We sit in church three or more times per week. We're about to go into camp meeting all week long, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But are you praising? Are you praising with your brethren, or are you calling on your brethren to praise with you? And if you are in here praising, may your praise be as David. David had an infectious praise, calling his brothers and sisters to Christ, to calling his brothers and sisters to praise Christ. It was an infectious praise. Praise. The second application is in that word magnify. Like I just said about the speaker, I can't literally make it bigger. That's not what magnifying is. Magnifying is making it bigger in my perspective. It's just like one of those little magnifying glasses you would find in, in science class in elementary school. I don't know. That's the last time I saw one. But when you put it up to your eye, it makes the speaker bigger in your perspective. But the speaker doesn't get physically bigger. What I'm trying to say here is that many, many Christians, and I've been guilty of it at times as well, we have lost our magnifying glass. And we as Christians need to go find that magnifying glass and pick it up and start looking at God and seeing him as, as big as he is. Not that that's even possible, but we should be magnifying the Lord, seeing him as big as possible. Magnify the Lord with me today, child of God. So tonight we've looked at David's infectious praise in the first three verses. Now we'll look at verses 4 through 7, David's immaculate protection. David's immaculate protection. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. The first thing you'll notice in David's immaculate protection is that he sought the Lord, and the Lord heard him and delivered him. Before David could be delivered, David had to seek the Lord. Many of us, we just want the Lord to deliver us without doing the seeking part. And it's, it's just like 
if you go through a drive-through and you and you want a cheeseburger, you got to go up to the speaker and say, "I want a double cheeseburger." You can't just roll up to the window and expect them to know what you want. You've got to seek it and you got to ask them for it. As, as childish and as elementary as that sound, it applies here too. You've got to ask God for what you want. Surely God knows what you want, but he wants you to ask. Ask God, seek the Lord, and he will deliver you. That's what we find here. Any scenario in life, when you want something, you have to ask for it. And that applies to us in prayer. If we want a prayer to be answered, we must first offer up the prayer. If we want to be delivered from our fears, as David was, we must first seek the Lord. In verse 5, David shifts gears and he changes the way he's speaking. At first, he uses the phrase, I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. To now, they looked unto him. David has changed from, from a single person to multiple people. Verse 5 says, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. When you study that, you'll find the word lightened means to be radiant or to be a burning beam of light. David is showing us that not only has he called these distressed people to magnify the Lord, as we just spoke about, but now they're actually doing it. The sincerity of David's praise and his encouragement to them has caused these distressed people to actually take his advice and to start praising the Lord. Verse 5 says that their faces were not ashamed. These people are distressed. And when you're in distress, that usually comes with a great deal of shame. If you're stressing over something, you normally are pretty shameful. God took all the shame and the darkness in their life and placed with them a shining light that will never go dim. May this be an encouragement to us Christians to go, to share the gospel, so that way we may, be, we may see these distressed people get that light inside of them, to be radiant, to have that burning light as a beacon inside of them, and turn to God and to be transformed just like these people found in Psalm chapter number 34. In verse 6, David is once again showing you how you must just simply cry out to God and he will hear you. And God is faithful and, and he has the ability to save you out of whatever mess that you've gotten yourself into. And, and this verse is it's very, very similar to verse 4, but there's one key difference in the first four words compared to verse number 4. David shows us two key things within these first four words. It says, the poor, this poor man cried. This poor man cried. David first shows us his sincerity in his seeking. David cried out unto the Lord. This is a man who is known for winning many great, great battles. We just read that in 1 Samuel 21. Tens of thousands of men. And he has killed Goliath by now. And, and we find him in Psalm 34 bearing record that he cries unto the Lord. He cries. He cries unto the Lord. A man who has slain tens of thousands of people is crying unto the Lord. David, he had many, many great accomplishments but, but he didn't let that get him prideful and arrogant. Once again, just like we spoke about a second ago, he didn't let himself be prideful, boasting in himself, but boasting in the Lord. And he cries unto the Lord. The second thing that David shows us in those four words is that your wealth does not determine your ability to get help from the Lord. Other words or phrases for the poor man are humble, afflicted, wretched, and needy. And I do not know the situation of every person in this room, but I'm assuming there's some people who are on the bigger end of the scale and the shorter end of the scale, if you know what I mean. Some of us are making not so much, and some of us are making a whole bunch of money. I know you all understand that. And, and this is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter what you have. Like I said earlier, he, you could have been living in a cave. You can live 
in a mansion. It doesn't matter. The Lord will hear you. You can still be a blood-bought child of the living, living God if you're living in a cave or whether you're living in a mansion. And the only expense to you is accepting it. And that's the glory of it all. In verse number 7 it says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Which displays the confidence that David has in the Lord. That David has the faith that no matter what may come his way, the Lord will be there and will deliver him. That's what it's saying in that verse. If only we as Christians had half the faith that David has. Many of us Christians question the power of God. Meanwhile, God at any point in time could do absolutely anything he pleases. God could literally flip this church upside down and set it right back up and not a single one of us move. God has the power to do that. I believe that. God could do anything. I like what the songwriter said. Clint Davison said this in his song. If he can walk on the water where I am, if he can calm the raging storm when my ship is going down, then why should I worry when I have this peace? I know Jesus can take care of me. Let us all be found trusting in the Lord, knowing that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about us and the ones that fear him and is willing to provide the same immaculate protection that he did to David for us. Next we'll see in verse number 8 through 10, David's inconceivable provision. David's inconceivable provision. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. We find in these three final verses that not only David... But we as Christians all have an inconceivable provision. We can never imagine the amount of blessings that God is able to bestow upon us at any point in time. Everything that we have today has been provided by God. This entire church has all been provided by God. I know Mike and Gary and, and whoever was the pastor before that, if there was one, I know they don't take credit for this. They give all that credit to God. Without God, none of this is here. None of us are here tonight. David knew how the goodness of God tasted. And he invited everybody else to taste and to see for themselves. You see, when you try a new food, you'll never know you like it until you taste it. Who remembers their parents telling them that growing up? You never know you like it until you try it, trying to get you to eat celery and Brussels sprouts. If you taste of the goodness of God, you will see that he is good. To the Christians in the room, aren't you glad that somebody invited you to taste, taste and see? I'm glad that somebody throughout my childhood was constantly inviting me to taste and see that the Lord is good. Aren't you glad that somebody invited you to take a seat at the Lord's table? Aren't you glad that somebody invited you to taste of the Lord's food? I'm thankful for the countless amount of times that I got to sit in a service, and I'm thankful for my parents bringing me up in church, and I got to sit in revival services and, and go to youth camps, and I know a lot of youth don't have that privilege, and I'm so thankful for it, and I hope I display that well. I'm so, so thankful for that. Let, let me go on credit, on record, and say that I am thankful for my godly upbringing. I don't know where I would be today if I didn't have the Word of God and the ability to taste of the goodness of it. I get to wake up every morning. Every morning I get to open my, my Bible 
And it's as if I'm sitting at the dinner table and I'm just feasting and feasting and feasting. And, and the, the glory of it all is this an endless buffet. All you want is here. It's, it's just like a golden corral. I don't know if you'll have those around here, but we have those. An endless buffet. It's whatever you want. You pay the price. It's exactly that. You surrender to God. You give him your life and you've got an endless buffet for all the rest of your life. It's, it's amazing. Trust me. You should try it sometime. And I, I love opening up the word of God in the morning. And tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. In verse 9 and 10, we find David encouraging the people to fear and seek the Lord. David tells us that we fear and seek the Lord and we will not be found lacking in any area of our life. And that is the key to receiving this inconceivable provision. It's inconceivable because it's so amazing. There's so much to it. We can never fathom the amount of blessings. I love the song, and I'm sure I'm not saying the lyrics properly, but it basically says, if, if the entire sky was made of paper and the entire ocean was filled with ink, we could never write down all the blessings and the goodness of God and the love of God and everything that he's blessed us with. We, the, the entire sky couldn't contain the scrolls is what the song says. And that is the inconceivable provision. If we fear and seek the Lord, he is faithful to provide us our every need. And, and, and do not misinterpret the text. This verse is not saying that those who fear and seek the Lord will be millionaires with fancy cars. And I'm not saying if you give your 10% tithe to the church that you're going to suddenly be blessed with winning the lottery or something crazy like that. You're, just because you give to God doesn't mean that you're going to be blessed inconceivably in the world's view, but you will be blessed inconceivably in the view of God and in the view of a true humble Christian. I don't have much that this world looks at. If the world looked at me, they would probably see me as a poor man, like David is saying. The world would probably see me as a poor man crying unto God. But when I look at myself and I see all the times God has brought me out, the time God has brought me out of my pit of sin, my pit of shame, the times God has allowed me to stand in a pulpit and preach to other people and, and give the word to someone else, the times he's, the time he let me surrender to him and accept him as my Lord and Savior, I feel like the wealthiest man in the entire world. I wouldn't want anything else in place of my salvation. Every time that you wake up in the morning, Every time that you eat another meal, every time that that car starts on the first try, unless you got a beater like me and it stutters a couple times, every time you turn that key and it starts, those are all a part of the provision. Don't, don't be found not giving them thanks for the small things. The clothes that are on your back, you should be praising God for that. There's some people who can't even afford clothes. they got to go to the dumpsters just to find an old raggedy T-shirt that some, one of us have probably thrown away. We should be found thanking God for everything. We as Christians can never and will never understand the depth of blessings that we already have. And when you begin to fear and seek the Lord, you will realize that you are far more blessed than you deserve and that you lack nothing. I'd like to ask the, the gentleman who plays the piano to come forward and play something if he would. Um, tonight we have studied praise from a cave. David was found in the cave of Adullam, praising the Lord with 400 distressed people around him. We have looked at David's infectious praise. David infected these other people to praise with him. We've seen David's immaculate protection, the protection from God to get him out of that situation. David's inconceivable provision, which we all have inherited by the grace of God as well. There are many, many applications to be made from this sermon, and I pray that God has spoken to each and every one of you in some way through it. And I'd like to ask everybody to stand and bow their heads tonight. Um, 
I have a few simple questions. The first one being, are you in a cave? <laughs> have you fallen into a deep, dark pit where it seems that all hope is lost? I pray that tonight you find yourself praising the Lord in that cave because although you may not be where you want to be, you are where God has you in this season of life. Have you lost your magnifying glass like I said earlier? Have you been found falling short of giving God the praise and the honor and the glory that he is worthy of? Whether you're like David and you're in a cave or you're like a king, like King Achish living in a palace, whatever it is, where's your magnifying glass? Have you been found falling short in the praise department like many of us Christians have? I pray that we all will be found with our magnifying glasses in our hands, praising the Lord together in our daily lives. Maybe you are magnifying the Lord, but you haven't acted as David and calling your brethren to join you. Maybe you do praise God, but you do it independently. May you be a witness to your brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them to do it along with you. Maybe you're in here tonight and you're fearful of something that is happening or something that is going to happen to you. I pray tonight that you'll find yourself fearing and seeking the Lord. And once that is done, you will have peace beyond measure. And any time that that fear begins to creep in, you will have the peace of God with you and you can run to the cross. And last but not least, maybe you're in here tonight and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. We as humans, we have spit on the blood of Jesus time and time again, committing sins. To be guilty of one point in the law is to be guilty of it all, is what the Bible tells us. We are sinful creatures, but God himself came down to earth in human flesh. He lived a perfect, sinless life, like I said earlier. And he willingly laid down his life on a cross, was beat to death. He paid the penalty for your sin. Just like in traffic court, you gotta go and pay your ticket. Jesus walked in that courtroom and he paid your fine. And it's an eternal penalty. It's eternity. If you accept the, the fine that has been paid, if you allow Jesus to pay that fine, you get to spend eternity with him in heaven. But if you don't accept him, if you reject him, it's a very, very bad place. I wish I could go into detail with how bad hell is. And, and even worse, the lake of fire, much, much worse than hell. The only expense to you is accepting him. That's all it takes. Accept that payment and live your life for Christ. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. The table is set. Are you ready to dine? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he his only son to make a wretch's treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mark the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin 
upon his shoulders a shame